HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. So I once dated this guy named Andrew. I think that was his name. Yeah. Pretty sure it was Andrew. Andrew had big muscles. But Andrew was a short guy. He was pretty short. And he was insecure about being short, as I think a lot of short men are. And I guess he felt that he needed to compensate for his height by getting big instead, which in my opinion is really stupid because I think it actually just makes you look shorter in proportion. And as a very short person myself, I do speak from experience. So Andrew lifted a lot of weights and along with lifting a lot of weights, he drank a lot of those powdered weightlifting supplement drinks, you know, that stuff. You know, the stuff in those like giant plastic tubs made out of whey powder and sugar and synthetic vitamins and minerals and chemicals and all mixed up into like this kind of mysterious formula, formula designed to make insecure short men drink a lot of it so that they feel that science is helping, helping them to overcome their genetic shortcomings. Now, I only dated this guy probably in total for like a couple of weeks I don't know, maybe a month or something. I don't even remember. And he was kind of weird. He was kind of opaque personality, kind of weird. I didn't even actually really like him all that much, you know, which I figured out pretty quickly. But one thing I did notice while we were together is that he didn't really eat. The couple times we went out, I would eat and he wouldn't eat. And I would drink and he wouldn't drink. And I I actually think that maybe he was in recovery I can't remember. But all I remember is that he drank those protein powder shakes a lot. Like, that's all he ate and drank all day. And he worked out a lot. 
Oh, and also he was a temp slash musician. That's all, really. So one afternoon during our brief romance, I think it was a Saturday afternoon, he calls me and he sounds terrible on the phone and he says that he thinks he's dying, that he's in incredible intense pain in his stomach and side and that he can't pee because it hurts too much for him to pee and he can't even stand up without fainting. And that he thinks he's dying and he needs me to come and get him and take him to a hospital because he can't even get himself out of the house. And of course, being a temp slash musician, he had no health insurance. So calling an ambulance was out of the question because ambulances charge you hundreds and hundreds of dollars to come and get you. So I had just moved into my Brooklyn apartment, my second Brooklyn apartment in Borham Hill, and he lived in Williamsburg. So if you're not from New York, you don't know what I'm talking about. We're talking about a good sort of five miles apart. And I had never been to his apartment, and I barely knew his neighborhood at that point. And the only hospitals I knew of were in Manhattan, where I had just lived for 10 years before decamping out to Brooklyn. Except for Litch, Long Island College Hospital, which is like down the street from me, about a mile. It was the only one I really knew of in Brooklyn. Now, he really did sound like he was dying. I mean, I I would say you're probably dying if I heard you. So I called the car service instead of taking the subway. I called the car service and I gave the driver the Williamsburg address and got in the car and we headed off. The driver did not really exactly display any sense of urgency, though, and he didn't seem to really be picking up on mine either. So we're driving to Williamsburg and we pass another car service car with a for sale sign in the window and he actually pulled over so he could talk to the owner about buying the car. Well, I'm screaming at him from the back seat that my friend, who at that point I had really kind of lost interest in, was dying. And this was before GPS and cell phones were common. So it then took us a while to find his place because we had no GPS and then I had to get him into the car and then we had to drive all the way back five miles to my neighborhood because that was the only hospital I knew of. So I took him to the ER. They took him in. They triaged him. They found out he was severely dehydrated. So they hooked him up to an IV to rehydrate him. And they brought in, it was either a resident or an intern. You know, one of those guys who were like, oh, I'm just out of med school and I can call myself a doctor and I'm working in the ER. One of those guys. Not sure, but right, definitely right out of med school. Now this resident looked at him saw that he had severe abdominal pain, saw that he was dehydrated, and immediately announced that his appendix must have ruptured and that he was going to need emergency surgery to take it out right away, and they were going to prep him for surgery, and I better call his parents and tell his parents to come in. Now, I had only known him a few weeks, and I was just about to break up with him, really, when this happened, and I had you know, not met his parents and wasn't planning on it, all I knew about them were that the they were these kind of wealthy, alcoholic wasps from Connecticut. Oh, yeah, my kind of people. So I got the phone number from Andrew, who was by then mysteriously starting to actually feel a lot better. I called his father. I explained who I was. I said, I am your son's about-to-be ex-girlfriend. Your son is being cut open. They're taking out his appendix. You need to drive down, get off the golf course, come to Brooklyn right now. So that's what I did. I called him. I said that. And while we were waiting for them to drive down, a surgeon came in. 
They got rid of the resident guy. They brought in the surgeon to do the pre-op to get him ready. The surgeon took a few vital signs, poked him, prodded him, asked him some questions, and immediately called off the surgery. His appendix was fine. There was nothing wrong with his appendix. What he had were kidney stones, which were what was causing all of the pain, especially when he peed. The kidney stones were causing great pain when he peed. So what do you do? You stop drinking water so that you stop peeing. So he became super dehydrated, started passing out, started having terrible pain, hence his crisis. The intern never asked the right questions, didn't notice that he had no other signs of appendicitis, like a fever, other than pain. Hello? By the time his dad got there from Connecticut in his golf clothes, Andrew was fine. He was pretty much okay. They gave him another IV. He perked right up. They gave him some medication to dissolve his stones. And they gave him a little tea strainer to pee through so he could catch them so that they could just make sure that they were okay. We left the hospital. The father drove us home. Within a couple days, he was fine. And that was the end of weightlifting tiny Andrew in my life. And P.S. I never got back the $50 that I had to spend on the car service. So what caused the kidney stone crisis in the mini macho man? Well, calcium. Calcium is what causes stones. Where did the calcium come from? From the whey. The whey in all those protein powder drinks that he had been downing instead of eating or drinking. The idiot had drunk so much of the stuff and eaten so little actual food that he had foodinessed his way into an ER trip. Now, at least his father picked up the ER bill, but I'm still waiting for my $50. And that was like 15 years ago. Practically the Dark Ages, Pioneer Days for Sports Nutrition and Performance Enhancing So-Called Foods. I'm sure you heard me put the quote around foods. That's because if you have to put it in quotes, it's not food. So I used to come home from school in the afternoon and on Channel 5, which was the local New York station, they would show reruns of the original Superman show, the black and white Superman. Remember that? They were already old. These were shows from the 50s, and this was in like the 70s. But on that Superman show, you know, Superman was supposed to be the Man of Steel, right? The Man of Steel. Superhero. Do you remember what Superman looked like? He was big, and he was bulky, but he wasn't really muscly. He didn't have a lot of definition. He was just a big, bulky guy covered in his costume, which wasn't even that tight. It was kind of baggy. And he had these big, like, waist-high, like, Superman panties on and this funny belt. Remember that? The Christopher Reeve version of Superman in the movie was much sexier. This guy was not sexy. But Lois wanted him. I think Jimmy Olsen wanted him, too. He was the icon of male strength at the time. And he was not ripped or cut or pumped or had definition, or any of those words that we now see on sports nutrition foodiness products. Because even someone who looked like Superman doesn't cut it for us anymore. You have to be more like Arnold in the 70s, like steroidal and pumped and cut and ripped. That's what we think of now as men of steel. 
I also used to watch those the old Jack LaLanne shows. You have to be pretty old to remember who Jack LaLanne was. He was this fitness guy on TV. And um, he just died recently. He was almost 100, I think. But the really, really early Jack LaLanne shows that were on TV, he used to do like jumping jacks and stuff. And, you know, housewives would exercise at home along with him because I think it wasn't considered ladylike to go out and exercise in public. Now, Jack LaLanne actually was cut. But as far as we knew, Jack LaLanne did it with food, like real food. He was really big into juicing. He sold juicers for a long time. I don't think Jack LaLanne was using any sort of fitness-enhancing products. I don't think Jack was taking steroids or drinking XXX, cut, extreme, ripped mass, weight gain, energy, strength, recovery, replenishing, power, muscle, weight management, lean, energy, performing, boosting formula. I hope not. Even when you look back at like Tarzan from the old movies, he looks kind of flabby to us now. Maybe he was eating too many bananas and not enough banana flavored protein shakes. Our cultural size inflation obsession, I think, really began with Arnold. You know who I mean, Arnold, former governor, and muscle queens taking steroids and changing our ideas of what male bodies should look like. While women obsessively try to get smaller, men want to get big, pumped, cut, ripped. And when gay men started doing it and getting all the attention of women, then straight men had to do it too. And then the internet pornographied everything and everybody and everyone is now their own porn star and needs the body to match. But, of course, this being America, the land that invented foodiness along with the internet and porn and Arnold... We don't trust our food to do the job for us. Food's not good enough. We think science and technology need to fill that void. The imaginary void. The one created by marketers and industry and created by our own laziness and distrust of our own food. So foodiness, which as you know, is the most opportunistic opportunist in the land, stepped in to fill that void. You want to get ripped and pumped and cut and huge? Well, you could just eat real food. But eating eating real food isn't easy enough or scientific enough or doesn't make you feel in control enough, which I actually think is the real issue, the control. And food doesn't make the kind of promises that foodiness makes. In fact, food is silent on the issue of what you're getting out of it. It doesn't advertise itself. Real protein from meat doesn't come with a claim that it's going to make you huge or massive. Water doesn't claim to be the ultimate zero-calorie sports drink. Vegetables and fruits don't have labels from nature selling themselves on how much energy they're going to give you. Like most things that are the real deal, they don't really have to say anything. They just are. And it says more about you than it says about food if you know that or not. And then there's fitness foodiness. Got a body ambition? Well, there's a foodiness app for that. Forget food. Food is so primitive, so messy, so inconvenient, so old school. Foodiness has the answer. And like most foodiness products, it's an answer made out of a problem. The first problem is cultural, which is that you have to look like a New York muscle queen from the 90s. Because I hate to break it to you, but that is what you're imitating. 
gay guys who grew up in the 60s and 70s who were super insecure about their masculinity, who went on to become oversized in the muscle department in order to compensate for their insecurities. And now everybody's doing it. That's where it came from. The second problem is a core foodiness issue across the board, which is how to use up surplus shit. Because that's where foodiness comes from. Foodiness comes from trying to use up unusable surplus from the food industry. In this case, it's not corn or soy surplus shit. Well, not directly, actually, but it actually is that. But how to use up industrial surplus milk shit, which comes from cows that are fed corn and soy. So it is sort of indirectly. So what is that surplus milk shit? Well, it's whey. Whey. The problem? How to use up all the surplus whey that the dairy industry produces. Now, whey is a byproduct of cheese making and other dairy production. Remember curds and whey? Little Miss Muffet? Well, when you curdle milk to make cheese, the curd separates from the whey. Whey is basically water with dissolved milk proteins in it. And whey in itself actually isn't a bad thing at all. It's very nutritious, very good for you, very good at building muscle, actually. You could just drink the whey. And it's really good for cooking with. You can add it to baked goods. You can cook with it. It's also really good for your plants. If you have acid-loving plants like berries, you can pour your whey on it. Whey is okay. It's food, not shit. But industrially... What do you do with all the whey? Well, originally it was fed to animals. It was a good way of using it up. You give it to your pigs. You feed whey to pigs. And then the pork tastes really good. But animals aren't so discriminating. And they'll just eat their whey, however way you give it. Liquid, powder form, unsweetened, unenhanced, not colored blue or flavored like mocha raspberry chip. And they just don't want to pay very much for what's basically waste. Humans, on the other hand, will pay a lot more for it than animals will. It's probably because humans, or sorry, because animals have nowhere to keep their wallets. And it's really hard to handle paper money with hooves. So we can't really give them value-added whey products because of that. But sweeten it and flavor it and color it and add taurine and creatine and caffeine and synthetic vitamins and chemicals and presto! You've turned watery milk protein byproducts into gold. It is truly alchemy. And then you can use that way to prey upon insecure people who don't look like porn stars or endurance athletes who fear the competition or food-fearing foodiness fanatics. And you've got yourself a business. Forget food. Way is the way. But when you're exercising and pushing your body to its limits... That's when you need real nutrition the most. And that's when sports foodiness steps in to take actual nutrition out of the picture altogether. And if you do your sports nutrition shopping at a place like GNC or the vitamin shop, instead of a food store, you go so far down that foodiness rabbit hole that you come out the other side and there's no way back out. This one's a one-way rabbit hole. You want it to be that size, you're all pumped up, and now you're stuck down there because you know what's on the other side? 
It's a world of muscles and ripped abs and protein powders and power bars. And it all tastes like chocolate chips and cherry milkshakes. But there's no food. So I went into these stores to look around the other day. I hadn't been in one in a really long time. And I didn't see any food. But it's called a nutrition center. Hmm. It was so lacking in food that I was actually able to bring a dog into the store with me. And he started sniffing around all the products, but he didn't smell anything that was actually edible. He couldn't smell any food. No food at all. And since he couldn't smell anything edible, he got really bored and his big fluffy tail started to droop and he lost interest and he lay down and he fell asleep. And that's really the acid test because this dog like most dogs, is a total food addict. But he knew it wasn't food, so he never even went up to the counter to beg. And he begs at every counter. He'll even beg at mailboxes, etc. But at the fitness foodiness store, no begging. The beefed up dudes in there with bad haircuts shopping for their creatine supplements fell for it. The dog didn't. So he took a nap. And I, too, would have gotten bored and gone to sleep if I weren't so freaked out by what I saw in there. So on the other side of the sports nutrition rabbit hole are freakishly muscled people selling you food that sounds like something you'd give to like a sugar-addicted toddler, like blue raspberry-flavored Power Pack pudding. Seriously, I saw that there. Power Pack pudding. So you used to take your little snack pack pudding to school. Now you can take your Power Pack pudding to the gym with you. Or strawberry-flavored muscle milk. They even have a flavor called purple. Purple. Where they don't even bother to reference a fruit that's purple because nobody even knows what fruit is anymore. Purple will do. Like, we know what purple tastes like. I'm guessing something like purple Kool-Aid? Grape? So you see all these puffed-up muscle men walking around drinking basically their baby bottles full of what seems to me like Nestle Quick with added taurine. You're better off just drinking the quick. What's taurine or creatine? Well, those are amino acids. And amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. And we need those to build muscle. But when they're isolated and added to these products in the hopes of encouraging muscle growth, we're not really sure how they're going to react. Now, whey helps to build muscle, no doubt. But if your whey is mixed with purple dye and NutraSweet or three forms of sugar and cookie flavor and chemicals, you better start also getting really flexible along with getting really ripped because it's really hard to inject insulin into your arm if your arm is too big to bend. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, more about fitness foodiness. following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. America Wides, your host. So the question is, are you getting ripped 
or you're getting ripped off. Foodiness propaganda says that food alone is inadequate for optimal fitness. But let's look at, say, like Hercules or Odysseus or Moses. Is that any important figure from the past? I mean, seriously, wandering 40 years in the desert? Or, I don't know, Paul Bunyan or Athena or Amelia Earhart. They all ate food. No foodiness back then. Now, of course, to be fair, Hercules was son of Zeus. So he was half god. So he had a little bit of an advantage. And sometimes Athena would pump Odysseus up to look intimidating to his foes or to look hot to women he needed to attract. But they still ate food. As I pointed out on last week's show when I was talking about Odysseus, he got all his protein from his pigs, not his protein shakes. And if they were inhumanely big, it wasn't because they were taking testosterone supplements. It's because they were getting direct help from Mount Olympus. All of these images on the packaging for the foodiness fitness supplements call up a serious question too, which is what exactly are we looking for? How do we define optimal fitness or strength or even health? I mean, if groups like the Maya and the Inca and the Aztecs and the Egyptians and the Romans did everything that they did and could do that thousands of years ago with food, just eating food, why are we so lame? Why are we so lame? With all the science and technology we have in our hands now, why can't we build an elevator to the moon or a useful robot or personal flying jetpacks or transporters? Why are we so pathetic? Why aren't we living like it's 2001 A Space Odyssey instead of living like we're in Wally? By making us all really stupid and fat and sick, foodiness has helped steal our fabulous future of rockets and beaming and space travel and replace it with shake drinking and device staring and internet porn. And instead of being superhuman and living longer and being impossibly fit and healthy, we're sick as shit. No matter how much we go to the gym, we didn't get ripped. We really got chipped. And, of course, who can you blame? That would be foodiness. So in order to break this cycle of dependence of fitness, foodiness products, which claim to make us all supermen, but are really turning us into inhumanely, inhumanely large super chumps, living on a diet of artificially flavored chocolate milk while our balls shrink to nothing. Well, your balls, not mine. Their balls shrink to nothing. Do we need to first shift our thinking of what fitness and strength and health really mean? Well, yeah, Duh, of course, because foodiness kills that ability. It's brainwashing us and putting up that firewall. So we see words instead like cut and ripped and mass and weight gain and strength, recovery, replenishing, power, muscle, weight management, lean energy performance, huge boosting testosterone and products like turbo blue raspberry sports drinks, which come in a bottle that look to me more like something you're supposed to put in your car's gas tank. Not into your body. Or big 100 protein now with no trans fat, so it's better for you, I guess. Extreme whey protein, metamycin protein powder, zero carb, iso pure, power peanut butter, which is $8 a jar, by the way, and just has added flaxseed added to it and a little bit of whey powder. And that crazy power pack pudding stuff with weight gainer anabolic growth formula, 
Do we need muscle milk or metrics or creatine? What is going on here, people? I mean, seriously, we all know the answer to this. It comes back to this every week. Think back to poor little Andrew. He was born short. And that really sucks. And I know because I'm not even five feet tall. And I know that for guys, it's even harder. But they were about to cut him open and put him under and do surgery on him for no reason other than he had too much calcium from too much whey powder and not enough real food and not enough plain old water. So I suppose with gain, there is loss. But losing your appendix for no reason is a small price to pay, I suppose, for a couple of inches of muscle. So like I talk about, Every week, some areas of foodiness are very difficult to get real about, and some are really easy to get real about. Last week, I was talking about traveling, and I said it's really hard to eat well when you're traveling, so you may as well just eat a Snickers or pop an Ambien and just sleep through dinner on the plane. And some are really easy, like drink water out of the tap, filter it, maybe. Getting real about fitness and food it's, kind of, it's like a giveaway. It's so easy. It's like a joke. Why do I even need to be telling you this? It's a total joke. Start off by not buying the stuff. Don't buy fitness, foodiness products. And that includes power bars and things like that. It's really that simple. Just put the Protein Mega Mass Ultra, ultra Ripped Weight Gain Management Performance Shake down. And then you might say, but what do I eat and drink to get size and mass and energy or to lose weight? How do I know what to do? When foodiness has been alleging that it'll do it for me. Well, like I say every week, just eat real food. You want mass, you want muscle, eat protein. Protein comes from meat and eggs and some plants. So eat meat and eggs and some plants. Even if you eat protein from industrialized meat, I think it's better than eating faux foodiness purple flavored protein. And muscle is also a lot of water, so just drink water, lots of water. You know, before we had all these sports drinks, there were people building muscle. They would just drink water. Now they're drinking dyed red, zero-calorie, creatine, electrolyte sports drinks. And their balls are shrinking, and they die at 35. So what's the point? Just drink a lot of filtered water right from the tap. doesn't have to be in a bottle. You can put it in your own bottle. So if you want energy fruits, vegetables, they're full of these things called complex carbohydrates. And I know that we all fear the carbs, but that's only if you're eating the bad carbs, the white stuff, white rice, white flour, eat the good stuff, eat vegetables, eat fruit, stuff that comes from the shelf in the supermarket, not in a package. And you'll get all your vitamins and your minerals and you won't need them added in in synthetic form and you won't need the plus and enhanced and all of that. And if you sweat a lot when you work out like I do and you say, oh, my God, I have to replenish my electrolytes. What about my electrolytes? You do need to replenish them. But you know where they come from? Food, sugar and salt. So after you work out, eat some food, eat some fruit, eat something salty. You'll be all set. So if you really want to go for it, aim for just eating good quality, real food. Grass-fed meat, organic dairy, organic produce, pastured eggs, good fats like grass-fed butter. So good for you. Virgin olive oil, high-quality real food. And don't tell me it's too expensive as you walk out of the GNC with a power bar that costs two fifty dollars a pop. 
or a sports drink that's $3 a bottle or a protein cookie. Where I do my grocery shopping, I can buy bulk organic peanut butter for $1.89 a pound. That power peanut butter I saw was $8 for 10 ounces. Even Superman didn't need power peanut butter. And he was the man of steel. Now, you might have to learn how to cook. I talk about this a lot with you. You may have to learn how to cook. You may have to roast a chicken or grill a piece of meat or cook a vegetable. But as I've said many times before, foodiness is convenient. Food is inconvenient. But it's either that or be a total chump who winds up in the hospital from a fitness, foodiness-induced health problem. And you know what happens to you when you're in the hospital? You can't work out. You can't exercise. So you go soft and you get weak. So think about that. The next time you're dazzled by an image of a super fit, pumped weightlifter on a package, think about the fact that he's probably got no balls left and they probably accidentally took out his appendix too. We're out of time. So I have to say goodnight for this week. Thanks to Jack in the control room, and thanks for listening. Remember, you can always listen to all of our shows on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. You can also find them all on iTunes, and you can find this show on Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.